Who built this house? Who built this home? What is valued in this household? These are interesting questions we might ask any family that we meet. These are also some of the insightful questions that biblical authors address. In the household of God's people, there is a constant reminder that God is the one who unites them. God is the one who brought them into being. And God is the one who gives them guidance for life's purpose in this family. The readings for this week reflect upon these theological realities from a few distinct directions. In Psalm 127, the psalmist speaks to the provision and providence of the Lord. He writes, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early, in vain you stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those who he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Psalm 127 is attributed to King Solomon and characterized as a song of ascent. Both of these associations link this text to the temple and the pilgrimage that Jewish believers would take to worship at this place. These associations also point to the origin of the temple and also the function of the temple. The Lord's provision and ongoing providence are the reasons that the claims of this text make sense. We might apply the words of this psalm to our own households and our own families. God is the ultimate source of those good gifts. The poetic images that the psalmist develops in the two main sections of this psalm certainly paint a beautiful picture of these social realities. The central context that this imagery helps establish in Psalm 127, though, is likely the nature of God's specific acts in redemptive history. The house that God builds is the temple that mediates his presence. The family that God builds is the one that gathers at this place. This week's reading from Hebrews also speaks of God's provision and providence. In Hebrews 9, the author makes a stunning case that Jesus' atoning sacrifice on the cross mediates the new covenant and affects the forgiveness of sins. Jesus' sacrifice of himself fulfills and achieves what the shadow of the Levitical sacrifice system could only point to. As part of this atoning work, Jesus enters into the heavenly courts in his ascension and makes it possible for believers who are united with him to have peace with God. This work of atonement is something only God can do. As God the Son, Jesus enters into the place that only God can enter. He makes atonement that is genuinely effective and once for all in a way that only God could accomplish. In Psalm 127, Solomon reflects on the temple and family that only God could build. Here, the writer of Hebrews describes a salvation that only God could bring about. The writer declares in Hebrews 9, 24-28, For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands. There was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again. The high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since his creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin 
by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. In light of this offering of atonement by Christ, believers now live between these two advents. They are ones who cling to the finished work of Christ and await the coming consummation of God's perfect plan of redemption at Christ's return. As the people of God wait for his coming, the scriptures also give guidance for what life is to look like until that day. Today's reading from Mark's Gospel gives a glimpse of two possible dispositions that are possible for the household of faith. In Mark 12, 38-44, Mark juxtaposes an image of hypocrisy with an example of self-sacrificial giving. Mark notes that, As he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues in the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and, for a show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor woman, a widow, came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, she put in everything, all she had to live on. These two scenes provide the stark contrast between hypocritical showmanship and unseen but faithful service. The teachers Jesus warns about here are those who perform for the perception of other people. Their righteousness is their brand, their piety, their platform. They pass over the tasks that the Torah itself identifies as central, like care for widows. They would rather use their status to secure more prominent positions in the social world that rewards the appearance of religious behavior. They seek honor, but Jesus sees only shame. By contrast, here is a widow dropping two very small coins worth only a few cents into the offering box. It's easy to miss her there as she moves to deposit her small coins. Perhaps the sound of the others pouring portions of their wealth into the coffers drowns out the tink-tink of her coins, joining larger coins in greater amounts. Where those observing this scene may only see a woman scraping out an offering from the pity of her poverty, Jesus sees a moment of self-sacrificial devotion. The previous scene was all about the teachers of the law, but their displays of piety were bankrupt. Here, the poor widow becomes the better teacher of what it means to give an acceptable offering in the house of the Lord. The metric for genuine faithfulness turns out not to be what society sees, but what the Lord Jesus perceives. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a member of the household of God's people. By the Spirit, you have union with Christ, who brings us to life with the Father. God is the one who unites you to himself. God is the one who brought you into being. And God is the one who gives you purpose in this family of God's people. Because of God's sovereign initiative, you are able to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. You are able to cast away hypocrisy that seeks social approval and become one who gives genuine gifts 
out of a grateful heart. Praise the Lord for his grace. Thank you.